Welcome to the Baseball Biz, everybody. Once again, it's Brandon Noway and myself, Mark Carbett, joining you today, looking at the world of baseball and what's going on now before the season starts. Uh, Brandon, how the heck you doing? First off, man. I'm doing great, Mark. It's another beautiful day here in Champa Bay. Champa Bay is right. My gosh, even though we're all about baseball, there was a little game this past Sunday that, that caught the eye and attention of a lot of people here in Tampa and around the world. That's right. The big game, as they call it, but we can't call it what it's really called. But yes, the big game was in town this week. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy for you all who don't know. We are in Tampa and we do have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Tampa Bay Rays and even the Rowdies here. But you know what? Now we got we got to we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what do two Super Bowl quarterbacks have to do with baseball? We're going to talk about the hot stove. Talk about Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Bauer and Tom Brady. What a mix! <laughs> and also, we'll talk about the M. Yeah, we we'll, we'll talk about the MLB. Is there a need there to fix, to fix free agency? I mean, what's going on with player compensation and? COVID for this upcoming 2021 year. It's going to be an interesting year. Things are still evolving, but we'll share with you what we know. And of course, February is Black History Month and Major League Baseball. We'll talk a little bit about the history of that and some of the things that are going on there. But first, first, Brandon, I like this. You thought of it. No pressure. No pressure here in Champa Bay, is there? No, not at all. It's a very laid back atmosphere right now. Yeah, you know, come on. We we won a Super Bowl. We went out and said, oh, I said the word. We won a Super Bowl, <laughs> and we went out there, and we celebrated. And a lot of people, of course, celebrated without any regard to COVID. Uh, they, that, that wouldn't be allowed to happen in the NBA or on the field at MLB, but it certainly has happened with the celebrations. But the thing of it is, what comes with that? You know, in Tampa, having, Tampa Bay having had two major accomplishments— Worldwide accomplishments in this year. I mean, with the hockey, with the lightning, and now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, uh, what's what are the race to think? I don't know because they're the only you know major sports team. Of course, the Big Four with NHL, NBA, MLB, and NFL. They're the only one of the Big Four teams that we have that haven't won the world title. World title. Of course, the Lightning won it twice. And now the Bucks have won it twice. The Rays have had a chance to win it twice, but come up short both times, unfortunately. But hey, they're right there, and maybe this year they can they can add to Champa Bay. That that could be. I mean, the whole thing of it is, we were all so close this past year. And any Ray fans, any Rays fan knows, sitting there watching the sixth game of the World Series, watching Blake Snell on that mound, and that moment came, and. Kevin Cash pulled him from the mound, and, and our hearts fell, and Blake, his heart fell, and we lost him, and now we're looking at 2021. So we do have the distinguished honor of actually being the American League champs for the Rays, but the pressure is on to, this year to go back in there and show the Dodgers or whoever else happens to be in there our stuff. Yeah, that's right. The expectations are raised now. Making this just not good enough now. Now you got to win it all. That's the way it should be. I love it. <laughs> expectations are high. You, you know, Brandon, uh, it, it is interesting, though, now that we had the big game 
and that door has closed for the year. We um, we anticipate the opening of the baseball season. It's just a couple weeks out now, man, before everybody starts reporting to spring training. And that's going to be very interesting. And, and thinking about somebody who's coming to spring training, I keep wondering, <laughs> will we see Patrick Mahomes sometime going to baseball? I mean, you know, he, he ha- actually has uh, some baseball history in his family. His, his father, uh, I believe his father played like for about 11 years in Major League Baseball, obviously with the Twins, the Red Sox, Mets, Rangers, Cubs, and the Pirates. Wow. Rather uh, traveling expert you know, there quite a bit. And let's see. He had a he was a pitcher and he had a 5.84 ERA in the American League. And during his four years in the National League, he actually averaged, which was later on, a 4.61 ERA. So there's a bit of athleticism. There's a man who had to learn how to handle the ball and to pitch it from the mound. And so I'm sure that his son, Patrick Jr., learned quite a bit from watching his father and grabbing a football and learning how to toss it as well. Yeah, and you can see some of those throws that he makes. You can tell that he grew up playing baseball because he can throw the deep ball with just like the flick of the wrist. And, you know, we've seen it more and more lately. Guys that have played multiple sports, especially baseball, succeeding in the NFL as quarterbacks. Like Russell Wilson, he played baseball. He even went to spring training with the Yankees for a few years. Mahomes, of course, he grew up around baseball. And Kyler Murray, not only was he the first overall pick in the NFL, for the Cardinals, he was also a first-round pick by the A's out of high school. And even here, Tom Brady, he was he was picked in the MLB draft to be a catcher for the Expos. Man, that would have been something. I mean, so yeah, there, it does translate the ability to be able, as a good athlete, as a great athlete, to be able to achieve so much. I mean, and I look back too is like with Bo Jackson. There was somebody again who was playing in both leagues, both Major League Baseball and the NFL simultaneously, and doing a heck of a job with it. You know, <laughs> it, not surprisingly, he was able to generate a great ad campaign with Bo Knows, you know. <laughs> and if you ever want to look up any of that stuff on YouTube about how Bo Jackson did some of the marketing, I think it was with Nike, and uh, they got all the way to where he's doing a commercial with Bo Diddley, and they said, uh, Bo doesn't know Diddley. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the guitar moves weren't all that great. But anyway, it, it is amazing looking back there, and like you said, with Russell Wilson and some of the others. And I would have loved to have seen Tom Brady as a catcher. I mean, he would have been fierce. That <laughs> would have been something else. And I wonder if he did that. How different would the NFL landscape look if you play baseball instead of going to the NFL? Jesus. A, a certain New England coach would have had a lot to prove without him, I think. <laughs> it, the sports world would have been completely different. There's there's no doubt. So anyway, we, we enjoy the big game here in Tampa. Like I said, the pressure is on the ta- on the Rays. Now, we're looking at it without Mahomes moving to the MLB, Brandon. I mean, what's cooking on the hot stove, man? What are you hearing? What's the news? Well, lots happened, and we haven't had anybody going from the NFL to the MLB, at least not this year. But we had some guys on the move, as we'll start in New York with Jonathan VR, a utility man signing with the Mets, where he's expected to be a super utility man and playing pretty much all around field and the San Francisco Giants signed reliever Jake McGee to a two-year deal. Big news for Cardinals fans as Yadier Molina signs a one-year deal to return to St. Louis. The Angels and Shohei Otani agreed to a two-year eight and a half million dollar deal. In 2020 he pitched only twice 
and he hit 190 with 657 OPS, so not the greatest of years for Otani. Cincinnati and D. Strange Gordon reached a minor league deal. The Mets added center field depth with Albert Almora Jr. on a one-year deal. He brings strong defense and is a contact hitter with a 309 on-base percentage, where he's expected to be the backup center fielder. We had a big trade in the AL West as two rivals made a trade, with the A's trading Chris Davis, catcher Jonah Heim, and pitching prospect Dane Acker for the Rangers for shortstop Elvis Andrews, catcher Aramis Garcia, and cash considerations. Davis is in the final season of his extension, and Andrews is owned for, is, and Andrews is owed fourteen million dollars over the next two seasons and a fifteen million dollar player option in twenty twenty three. Marcelo Zuna he returns to Atlanta on a four year sixty four million dollar deal that includes a fifth year option that could raise it to eighty million dollars. And we didn't really expect him to return to Atlanta, of course, depending on what the DH ruling would be for this coming year. And last year, he led the NL in home runs with 18 and RBIs with 56 as the DH. Wow. St. Louis, they traded Dexter Fowler Jr. and cash considerations to the Angels for a player to be named later. The White Sox signed Jonathan Lucroy to a minor league deal with a camp invite. Baltimore also signed Felix Hernandez to a minor league deal with an invite as well. Alex Colomay and the Twins agreed to a one-year deal with a 22 option. The contract will pay him $5 million in 21, and the Twins have a $5.5 million option for 22, or can pay a $1.25 million buyout. Not bad if you get fired and get $1.25 million. (laughs) Yeah, let me know how that worked out. I know a lot of people who would need an attorney, not an attorney, but an agent who would be able to help them with something like that. (laughs) Heading out to the desert, where the Diamondbacks added Joaquin Soria on a one-year deal. Up in Milwaukee, Colton Wong signs a two-year deal with the Brewers. He was with the Cardinals previously, but they did not pick up his option for the 21 season. And he has won the Gold Glove twice in the past two seasons. But last year, he had the career-worst OPS at 675, but it was 784 in 2019. And lastly, the biggest news of the week as Trevor Bauer signs a three-year, $102 million deal with the Dodgers, where in 21, he's expected to make $40 million. In 2022, it will raise $45 million, and and he has opt-outs after each year. And an interesting thing, Ken Rosenthal said that L.A. actually thought they were out at one point before he signed with them. Well, that you know, that's really interesting because you're looking at this and there's been a lot of back and forth. And Trevor Byers always been very good about sharing his ideas and where he's at with things uh, online. And even his, his agent, Rachel Luba, has done a lot of that, which, by the way, you have to salute her, man. Anybody who can do what she did, she's probably making – Scott Boris Green with Envy right now. But <laughs> that, that kind of deal that she worked up, I mean, if you look at those first two years, that's more than Garrett Cole makes in a year. I mean, if you take the whole thing over three years, it's a little less. But it, just those four, those first, I can't speak, even just taking those first two years, he, it's, it's amazing because he could walk away after that. But can you imagine, here we are, 
It's the season of Valentine's. Hearts, flyers, and love everywhere. And there they are, the Mets. It, the, the news media is out there. And even I think Rachel Lubis said, hey, we're down to two teams. We're down to the Mets and the Dodgers. And the Mets are standing there at the doorstep, waiting for that date to Mr. Trevor Dyer to, to appear and take them out on that Valentine date and a, and a whole romance of baseball for years to come. And he doesn't show up. No, you're, you think you're in love, and then the biggest time you're left hanging like Blake Snell was in Game 6 of the World Series. Nobody shows up, and you're all alone. Yeah, instead of getting that big bouquet and and a giant heart full of delightful chocolate candies, all you get is a little packet of sweet tarts at your door. And it's saying, I'm sorry. I ain't, I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm not coming, guys. But... But as you were saying, the Dodgers at one point thought they weren't even going to be part of this. I mean, a couple of things I can't imagine. Poor Steve Cohen. I mean, we talk about him time and time again about being an owner who's investing in teams more than just about anybody else out there. And this was the prize pick. Trevor Barr has been seen as the prize pick of the season. And the excitement has been building up all postseason. And after all his efforts, bang, they didn't get him. Yeah, and I read the night before, it was a big deal on Twitter. Everybody was like, man, it looks like Bauer's going to go to the Mets. And I even commented on it. Of course, I said, if it was true, turns out it wasn't. But that would have been really cool to see him with the Mets because it would have made the NL so much more competitive and spread out. And it also would have moved us a step closer to our dream NLCS with the Padres and Mets. Yeah, gosh. That would have been huge. I'm still curious to see how that plays out. But, <clears throat> pardon me, I was hearing one announcer the other day saying, or one broadcaster the other day saying, you know, if they knew that it was just the Mets and Dodgers, what if both of them had said, yeah, you know, we, these, we're not really happy with these numbers. We're both stepping back. <laughs> you know, they couldn't do that and collude and do that. But if you had just kind of an understanding saying, I, 40 million and such, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And if both the Dodgers and the Mets had said that, what would have happened? I can't even begin to imagine. I don't know. That would be a heck of a heck of a topic for the show. But uh, Trevor Barr, you know, he's he's out there, man. He's performed. He's He's proven himself. And not surprisingly, a lot of people love him and a lot of expectation. You, you're going to spend that much money, it's there. I don't know if you can call him the GOAT yet, but the greatest of all time. But as we're talking about closing out the football season with goats, that's kind of looking at some numbers here, too, comparing, let's see, Tom Brady with Trevor Barr. And that's been an interesting career right there alone. You and I were talking about this earlier, looking at, uh, let's see, what was uh, where, where was Tom Brady in the draft? Uh, he was the 199th pick. 199th pick. Wow. So in June, I think, of 2000, he, he was New England. And he had a three-year contract of about 865000 So he was getting paid $288,333 his first year. Wow. By, yeah, by 2002, he's getting paid $7.4 million. And by 2010, it's $18 million. Then it kind of bounced around a little bit. And let's see, August 2019... 23 million March 2020 Tampa Bay Tampa Bay happened and 
He had a two-year contract, 50 mil, so 25 million a year. So let me let me measure this now. 25 million a year for Tom Brady in 2020. And in 2021, we're looking at the Dodgers who are going to be paying Trevor Barr, at least for that year, what, over $40 million. I mean, $15 million more than Brady. Is it worth it? I don't know. As, as a sports fan, is what Tom Brady does being the pinnacle, being the absolute goat of football, does it make sense how players' money is being distributed, uh, what they're being paid? And I know you've done some homework on this, Brandon, trying to look at where the equity is. What have, share some of your thoughts on that. This recent signing with Trevor Bauer, signing with Dodgers, it really highlighted to me what is a problem with free agency. And someone I like to listen to believes free agency is broken, and he brought up some really good points, and that made me want to do some more research and bring this up as a topic. And here's my opinion on why I believe that free agency is broken and they need to fix it. So... Like we said earlier, he signed a three-year, $102 million deal with the Dodgers. And he's making $40 million this year, $45 million next year. And both of those years exceed the record annual value of Garrett Cole. And both years are higher than this year's payroll for three different teams. The Orioles at 38.9, the Pirates at 37.7, and Indians at 36.5. And his 2022 salary is only $200,000 less than what the Marlins' salary is this year at $45.2 million. And I'm not trying to say that players earning, earning how much money is bad. I'm not. But what is bad is that he's making more than what three teams are paying out in total. It highlights the major problems with MLB owners' efforts to kill free agency and focus on profits instead of winning. Now start by looking at revenue. Well, let, pardon me. Let, let me ask you a question here. You're saying the payroll for the Orioles was $38.9 million? Yes. I'm, I'm looking here at another number. I'm seeing player expenses for the Orioles at $103 million. What's the difference between those? Uh, the $103 million was from the 2019-2020 season. And this, the payroll I brought up in the, a few minutes ago is from this coming year. Ah, okay. That's that's considerably less. Why would why would you think there'd be that much difference from thirty eight point nine million to one hundred and three million? Well, we've seen some teams they had you know high high price players, and then they'll eventually get rid of them through either rebuilds or they just don't want to pay them. Looking at the MLB's revenue, it's consistently going up still, even though you know they're saying people are losing interest. Revenue still goes up despite them saying that. And in 2015, they made $8.39 billion in revenue. And the players received 57.3% of that in compensation. And then it kept going up through 2019, or excuse me, 2018, where they made $9.9 billion. But the compensation percentage fell to a low since 2012 at 54.2%. Looking at the other leagues, let's take a look at their revenue and player share. The NFL, of course, which is king, leads all four pro leagues in revenue with $13 billion, and the players get a 48% share of that. MLB 
they make $10 million and we haven't seen the player revenue share for this past year, but it has kept going down. I haven't seen the exact percentage yet. The NBA, which is, you know, has become really big the last few years and as a ratings boom, their revenue is at 7.4 billion with a player share anywhere between 49 to 51% is where they try to target it. And the NHL has that same target player share, but their revenue is less at $4.43 billion. Wow. And look at the total salaries. The NFL leads that at $5.52 billion. And second is not the MLB, it is the NBA, even though it makes about $2.5 billion less than the MLB. They pay more to their players at $3.66 billion, with the MLB in third at $3.45 billion and the NHL at $2.07 billion. You know, here, here's something I was thinking about as far as revenue. MLB with $10 billion, is that because uh, basically revenues from broadcasting, do you think? Because if you got 162 games a year, you're going to have a lot more TV time and a lot more commercials to sell. And I, I only think I can think of is NBA is not going to have that many games. So a distinction of, uh, let's see, MLB with $10.5 billion and the NBA with $7.4 billion or even the NHL, NHL with $4.43 billion. Is, is that a critical piece of that? Yeah, broadcast rights, that's where they make most of their money, even though you know, ticket revenue is a decent-sized chunk. A big piece of their revenue is TV deals. That's why, of course, the NFL makes so much money is because they're big both on TV and in person. And the MLB, even though they're not big in person anymore, they still have a decent-sized audience on TV, which is why they get all the big bucks. Well, you know, and, and I see that, I understand. And also from the numbers you're sharing with us, it looks like, I mean, MLB has been, if not leading it, it well, it looks like they're leading just about every year. You know, the NBA is getting closer, with an average looks around 50%, NHL with 50%. And... uh NFL down around 48%. But what, what, so what are we looking at? What are you thinking as far as how that should impact what players should be getting? You know, what impacts things with the, the salary floor cap? What, 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 do you, what do you see there? Yeah, and now looking at all the stuff that I just mentioned, you might think, you know, hey, what's wrong? The MLB players get a pretty good share of what they're making. Yeah. But the problem is the other three leagues, it's collectively bargained how much money owners have to spend just such as the nfl their salary floor was 169.4 million with the cap at 188.2 million for the 1920 season and the nba had a floor of 98.2 with a cap of 109.1 with the luxury tax coming in at 132.6 million because they don't have you know hard caps you can spend below the floor but you can also spend above the cap so that's where the luxury tax comes in. It's sort of like a, a to discourage you from just spending so much money to get all the stars. So they, they put in a luxury tax for that. And the NHL has a floor of 60.2 million with the cap of 81.5 million. You know, yeah, I, I'm dumbfounded. I was a little surprised by some of this, but it is interesting to see. And, you know, I, I know you've done a lot of homework on this. I saw what some of it you got from uh, sportscasting.com and, Statista.com and uh, also what did 
reaching, let's see, Cheryl, you're talking about earlier, Cheryl Ring. But it is interesting, a lot of good sources there to dig out this information and talking about floors and caps. And what do you, what do you think is going on from here? What are we seeing as far as teams right now? If, if I was going to compare major league teams, say like the Yankees and some of the other ones, what would I see as far as the revenue they're taking in and what their, their player expenses are? I mean, would I see still like a 50% level, do you think, or how does it look? Um, look, looking at Forbes, even though we're not going to get the exact, you know, financial situation that MLB teams really have because they don't open up their books, but they do make a considerably good amount of money. The Yankees, of course, they were first in revenue with 683 million in revenue, and they put they spend 220 million on players. And they have an operating income, which is a Basically, a fancy word for profit of thirty-five million dollars, and in last place you have the Marlins with a revenue of two hundred twenty-two million dollars, with player expenses of at ninety-eight million, and they actually lost money. They lost five point nine million dollars. Wow, I'm still not sure where that goes. Is some of that stadium money, if it's paying off some things there or not? Because I know that when the owner. Uh, who had them previously sold it, he had to pay the city back for the park. Yeah, they, they've got to spend a ton of money on, you know, stadium upgrades, you know, some of them even around the stadium. They own some of that land as well, like the Braves, so they may spend some money on that as well. And, you know, just normal employees, they, a good chunk of that goes towards them. Well, there's a lot of talk about all this going on. I had the good fortune uh, speaking with a sports writer, actually right overall, and that's Mari Brown the other day. He's written for Forbes and a, a lot of other ones. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about him in that conversation later. But uh, he shared a lot, you know, was looking at Twitter as far as what's going on with, with the uh, potentially a salary floor and some caps and uh, MLB and MLBPA discussions. But before we get into that, I, I wanted to hear a little bit more about what you and what you found also with, with uh, I guess it was Cheryl Ring, some of the observations about this. Yeah, and you know this is a problem as you look at it, but what they nobody's come up with any ideas to really fix it. So I believe I'm one of those believers that they don't need to add a cap because the luxury tax sort of acts like a soft cap anyways. Because we've seen teams trade away right. guys to get under the tax, like we saw it recently with the Red Sox trading away Mookie Betts to get under the luxury tax. And what I believe they should add is a salary floor much like the NBA to where even if you are below the floor, like when the 76ers were, when they were going through the process, they were basically tanking for years. Like they were really bad, not even winning 10 games. They still had to distribute the difference to all the players. So looking at the NBA salary from or the, the floor from a couple of years ago, it was at a uh, $98.2 million. So say, you only spend $88.2 million of that, and you still have a $10 million difference, you still have to pay that $10 million out and disperse it evenly among your players. So you can think that you're you know, being cheaper and getting around it, but you still eventually do have to pay all that money. Well, that, that brings up another question as far as I'm concerned. I'm looking at that. I'm saying, okay, if you still have to pay all that money, is is the talent that you have that you're putting on the field, are they worth it? You know, if you make me put down a salary floor, 
then I, I need to be able to have players I can buy for that. And maybe you hit me one year where it hurts. Then am I going to be able to take that additional $20 million the next year and say, okay, next year I'll invest it. Next year I'll get some great players. But I'm sorry, they're not there. Is <laughs> This tickles me too because I'm thinking about people who say, the MLB should have some expansion. If we have teams that are experiencing this difficulty now, getting the players. I'm not talking about money in the stands. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about the ability to get quality players. They're not, if they're not there, you know, it's, it's like, even if I had the money, they're not there. I'm being punished for that. You tell me. And, and that's a good point. I really do see where you're coming from. But I believe it'll do a good job because we talked about it before. We even talked about this morning. The MLB is very top-heavy. Because we look at teams like the Yankees and Dodgers, they can easily spend over $200 million, while some teams either choose not to or just can't spend even over $100 million. Right. I think it would really do a good job of, they, look, look, for example, the Rays, the team we have now, they traded away Snell and let Morton walk because they couldn't afford them. And if they had to spend a certain amount of money, a set amount, I believe it would do a good job of keeping guys in their original place. Like we could be able to keep Snell, keep Morton, eventually keep Adamus when it comes time for them to get paid. We can keep teams together for a longer period. In that way, it spreads out more competition and the league doesn't become so top heavy. Well, and, and this goes back to, you don't have to pay me much. I, if I'm a Blake Snell, the first year I'm with you in the majors, you know, you were paying me around a half million dollars. You were paying me the same as anybody else who made it to the show. And that goes on for three years before they get into pre-arbitration. So maybe there is talent that's out there, but some some teams saying, okay, I have this talent and I've got them. I've got a, a maybe a $20 million, $30 million talent with Snell, but I've got guys in the farm system. I've got players to be named later <laughs> that I can bring in. And maybe that's maybe that's the way the the philosophy is. I think a lot of times, Brandon, we need to MLB needs to look at and a player association needs to look at shortening that amount of time before they hit free agency or at least hit arbitration. So for those four, first three years, they're stuck, and that would mean that MLB would be playing paying players more. But I, I don't know. Well, here's here's another quick thought just for fun. If they had to play pay players more, would you see different people coming into baseball? Would you see Mahomes? Would you see Brady? Would you see other talent that's gone to other sports coming to baseball? I think people play baseball for the love of it, but I think there's also people out there saying, okay, I have this great talent. I can flip a coin because I love love them both so much. Where would I go? Yeah, and they might even say, like, Kyler Murray was given advice by, I believe it was A-Rod, that hey, go the baseball route. You can eventually make more money and it's not as physical. So you won't, won't end up hurting yourself as much. Yeah. Less likely to get concussed unless you're uh, on the receiving end of Rob's Chapman or somebody else up there. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite player, but you, I, I spoke, like I said, with Mari Brown the other day, I actually was texting back and forth through. Uh, and one of the things I was asking, I said, well, what's going to happen here, man? I mean, do you see this? And he says, well, there's a lot of talk going on, Mark. He says, you know, the uh, MLBPA is is going to try to get the sal- players' salary uh, salary arbitration sooner. And some of the offsets he was saying is 
MLB is leaning into players with low service time under club control, and they really don't want that, obviously. He says, he told me he's expecting that uh, the Players Association will claw back to where they would like to be, and, you know, that's not going to probably happen in one labor deal. And for those you don't know, the uh, CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, is coming up in a year, so wonder if we're going to ball in 2022. But he's saying, well, the Players Association is probably the mindset that they're going to treat like the old adage of eating the elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One spoonful at a time. They're not going to get everything they want immediately in that next CBA. So we'll see. I don't know. In my research, I found Cheryl Ring of BeyondTheBoxScore.com. She wrote an article about putting in a salary floor. And here's some of the things that uh, she wrote. And she says, I propose a $120 million salary floor in MLB. That's not as high as it sounds. That's only 58% of the luxury tax in 2019, which at the time was $206 million, which makes the minimum payroll 58%, which is below the NBA's, which is at 90%. And in 2019, the average payroll was $137 million, and 19 teams of the 30 exceeded $120 million payrolls in 2019, with three more within $10 million. So two-thirds of the league already pays that much payroll. And here's a line I really agree with. If you're an owner who can't afford to pay 58% of the luxury tax number, you probably shouldn't be an owner at all. That's that's a very good point. And one I hate to admit here in Tampa, but it's a very good point. And even the great Dick Vitale said it on a local station here. He was talking about our boy Stewie. He He said, if you don't own the cash to play with the big boys, don't own the team. Now, that's my bad Dick Vitale impression, but <laughs> that, that's what he said. Well, that, that, that is it, man. If, if you don't have the money to play, don't, don't get in here. You know, if you went in to play poker somewhere and you, you don't have enough to put down to even ante up, uh, you don't need to be in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you might be asking, if most of the teams are paying over that anyways, who is this target? And she says, the tanking teams. And in 2019, with payrolls under 110 million, teams were the Padres, Royals, A's, White Sox, Marlins, Orioles, Pirates, and Rays. And all but the A's and Rays, who made the playoffs that year, finished with losing records. And plus, with all these teams tanking, it really becomes a problem. Because in 2019, there were 400 lost teams and 990 lost teams. And I don't know about you, but I don't really want to watch teams or even a league with all these teams that they, they suck, where it's a third of the league is trying to lose on purpose. I mean, I get it. I'm for tanking, but I don't want these this big of a amount. You're for tanking? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have like a chance, it doesn't make sense to go out there and spend all that money. It takes time rebuild through the farm system, eventually build it back up, and then spend the money on free agents. That, that's my belief. We can go into that at a different time. And okay. People have wrote so many things, you know, Sports Illustrated said they should threaten them with relegations, a whole bunch of other things. And that she also writes, requiring every team to spend at least $120 million on payroll would disincentivize teams from taking and keep even second-tier teams more competitive. That way, that they might be a little iffy 
on spending all that money, they might think, well, I got to spend the money anyway. I can't afford, you know, the top tier prime free agents like Trevor Bauer. But I may be able to get, you know, maybe a second tier free agent like a Dallas Keuchel a couple of years ago. So more teams may be in play for the second tier free agents. And also those free agents won't be left out in the dark. And like I said, just because you tank doesn't mean you'll get the first draft pick because they had the four teams that lost 100 games in 19. The Blue Jays, yes, the Blue Jays were bad in 2019. They went 67 and 95, and they were 13 games out of last. And the Royals, they were 59 and 103. And you might think, my God, that's a horrible record. There's no way anybody was worse than them. Well, you're dead wrong because the Tigers were 11 games worse than them. So, so many teams are tanking that it really doesn't matter. It's almost a wash. And plus, I'll give you maybe a little bit of a dirty secret. The more competitive teams equals more eyeballs on your sport, which leads to more money in the pockets of owners and players. Wow. I don't think I realize the ugliness that had come to the records of some of these teams and how bad they had suffered. I mean, I don't expect, obviously, everybody hit 500. But when you're talking about the Royals being 59 and 103, and the Tigers are behind that. It's like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's tough to be a fan, man. It, it really is for those teams. And it's it does turn into revenue. I mean, people who, let's face it, there's a lot of fans who are, you know, lackluster, who, who will follow a team when it's strong. They buy all the gear. They watch all the games. They go to the games. But uh, a lot of fair weather fans, so to speak. And it's going to take some money to make some money. Yeah. and. Dickie, you said, if you don't own the cash to play with the big team, with the big boys, don't own the team. Yeah, and you know, I, th- I think it's a bit unfair when we look at expanded playoffs because I'm looking at some of these guys, and there may actually be a team or two in there that is beneath a 500-win-loss record. And it's, it seems unfair to teams that have spent the money, have developed the talent, and are making a difference out there. I don't know. I mean, what's your opinion when you're looking at this, and what do you see as some of the rectification? I mean, obviously, I guess the the salary floor would be part of that. I mean, the expanded playoffs. I think it would be it would have some good because you would have some teams like the Royals were a few years ago when they were really good winning the World Series, where they spent the money to try and keep that team together, and eventually got to the point where they couldn't afford the, all those guys, and they had to you know blow that team up pretty much. So you'll have those teams at times, but you'll also have the teams where it's like, well, hey, if all these spots are for grabs, I can just barely sneak in. I get a good slice of that playoff revenue. So if I don't have to spend all the money and I can still make the playoffs to get all that money, I'm in. So it's a it's a bit of a, a good and bad with that. Curious to see how things develop continually with the Players Association and with the league, with the Major League Baseball. Uh, again, I was reaching out to Mari Brown and some of the things he was saying is I was asking, I said, you know, do you think they're going to be able to set a side floor, you know, since, since this great disparity in payment to some of the talented players and trying to find some equity from the top, you know, paid teams to the least. He says, you know, what do you, do you think there's going to be some changes there? He says, what's well, doubtful. He says, historically, a floor has been seen tied to a cap and there's already a defective floor, the minimum salary and cap. Uh, so the system they need, or would even consider needs to be a hybrid, other sports see percentage of related revenues that have to go into salaries. 
He says, this isn't perfect potential for overcompensation, which we talked about, <laughs> but it would force clubs to spend. There needs to be increased revenue sharing, but penalties for clubs that live off of it. Yeah, and I mean, I think you and I both agree with that, that, that clubs that aren't spending, you know, clubs that are tanking, they need to, they need to step up. And like you said, your buddy Dick Vitale said, man, if you if you don't have the money, don't come. I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly it. But it is important. And I, I don't know what we're going to see at the end of the year with um, Major League Baseball and the Players Association. But it is interesting that I thought, are they going to come to any kind of agreement? You know, looking at the upcoming season, while the CBA expires this year and they have to have something in place for 2022 – they have been coming up, meaning Major League Baseball and the, the Players Association, with some agreements. And I think this just came out the other day. They have decided for this year that they are going to continue with the doubleheaders, the seventh, seven inning doubleheaders. And also, what was the other one, uh, Brandon? The the rule with us, um, having oh, the a player sec- in the t- tenth inning. Yeah, the second the runner starting out second and extra innings. Next reading. So that one's there. I think they're finally uh, figuring out the last bits as far as COVID and how they're going to try to keep everybody safe. You know, last year was a, had a good plan, but it's a bit of a disaster with Cardinals and Marlins early on, but they seem to have worked that out. But it seems like Major League Baseball is holding out the designated hitter as a sticking point. And there's, I don't know what reason they would even have that as a point of contention with the players association. I mean, the players association seems to want it. And I would think that the owners would want it. So what's the deal? I don't know exactly what's going on, but like as an outsider looking in, I feel that it's like the players association really wants the universal DH and the owners really want the 16 team playoffs, but the PA doesn't want that. So it's kind of like, Hey, you don't get the 16 play or if we don't get the 16 playoffs, then you don't get the universal DH. It's kind of like a, they're like, it's like that old commercial we saw a few years ago with the insurance guy where the old man with his fishing pole was holding a dollar at the end of it. He was like, Oh, you gotta be quicker than that. You gotta be quicker. You get it. It's kind of like that. <laughs> oh gosh. I hate that, but it's too true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good, good, good way of pointing it out. Yeah. Oh, geez, Brandon. I don't know, brother. It's We can just sit and wait. Spring training's getting ready to start here, and it's going to be interesting. We've had a lot to talk about, you know, here in preseason, and who would have guessed? The hot stove, I said, I'm not surprised it took to this point before Trevor Bauer came into an agreement with uh, with the team. It's been exciting. Well, let's take a look at the front office. What's going on in Major League Baseball front office? We're stepping away from uh, talking about the players and the hot stove and talking about the Players Association and salary floors and caps. One of the things talking about in the front office is reflecting on what's happening in baseball and also with Black History Month. You know, I, I found it interesting as we were preparing for shows earlier last month, and I was looking at birthdays and seeing that... Uh, Jackie Robinson and Mr. Sunshine, Ernie Banks, shared a birthday on January 31st. Black History Month 
you get the shortest month of the year, <laughs> February with 28 days. I think that we need to go ahead and move it back and start Black History Month at least on January 31st because those two guys would be a great way to start you know, promoting the entire month. And <laughs> you look at baseball. I mean, it's, let's face it, it's one of the most old white male organizations <laughs> <laughs> that are out there. I mean, it's it's this it's what baseball is. Not surprisingly. So, say what, what what's happening as far as some inroads that are making. What's what's happening different? And one of the things is you're starting to see a crack in the door. You know, on the field you see Dusty Baker, and there's other folks, minorities are out there as well. I'm just saying him because of ageism too, I guess. But uh, you look at, at what recently the uh, Major League Baseball brought in Ken Griffey Jr. And while he's African-American, the other part that I really like about that is they're bringing somebody who's been on the field into the office. So I celebrate that they're bringing somebody, an African-American, into the office, but they're also bringing a player into the office. And I think he's going to bring a positive energy experience into that office that just wasn't there amongst all those old white guys. <laughs> you know, it, so so it's been, it's very it's been needed, man. It's it's something, and I'm looking forward to see what vitality he can do, and hopefully make some change long term. It's it's like a lot of other things where Mari Brown was saying, it's like the players' association is going to be clawing back slowly. Unfortunately, I think that's the same case here. We look, you know, locally, a bit of sunshine here too. Is a, one of my favorite players was outfielder Denard Span, and Fam I think came in later and took that spot. Denard, I don't know if he was even here with us for a year, but I loved him. You know, he was an older player. He exhibited leadership qualities. And I think the younger players listened to him. And I think every team needs somebody like that. And at the time that he was being traded away from here, he told the folks in the front office, I'd like to come back. He was speaking as a player. <laughs> He'd like to come back. This, you now his, his hometown's here in Tampa. And... So he wanted to come back as a player, but but once he a couple of years later he retires and say, Hey, Denard, would you would you like to come be part of the Rays front office? So, whoa. You know, that's the sort of thing we need to see happening. So in Black History Month, I'd like to see more activities like this, you know, as far as actions taken to support and elevate, you know, African American p- players into the system. And I'm not talking about on the field. I'd like to see that too. But I'd certainly like to see more of it into the front offices. Yeah, we're seeing with all these leagues, really all of them except the NBA, is really struggling with diversity inside the organizations, you know, front offices and ownerships. And, you know, slowly some teams we're seeing start to be more diverse and some teams are aren't just to be frank but slowly but surely we're getting there not as quick as it should be or quite frankly we should already be there but one day hopefully it'll be be as diverse as it should be well i think there's a lot of you know like i said looking somebody like denard span he can he can mentor a lot of folks too i mean in the office and and probably even out there on the field to some degree i'm not sure what all capacity he'll be serving but He's definitely going to be a big part of it. Looking a little further, too, at at, uh, Black History Month, it's worth noting Hank Aaron's birthday is in February. 
it was February 5th, and not Black History Month, but the guy whose record he beat, Babe Ruth, is on February 6th. Uh, oh, and more importantly, I guess, uh, the Negro National League was formed on February 11th, or 13th, as some people would say, uh, February 11th, 1920. So the Negro National League, and that was formed in Kansas City at a YMCA. And uh, so there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things to celebrate this month in February. And in black history, there's a lot of good things that we should look back on that have happened and look forward to a lot of things that still need to happen. Well, Brandon, you got anything else to bring to the table? No, just thank you for listening. And only one more week. One more week. Okay. Well, no, we'll take some of the pressure off of the race. Hopefully, as things go ahead and move along this year. But as always, you can find me at the Baseball Biz, and you can find Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. And there's a lot going on there. Where, well, Brandon, I think you're probably going to post some things too, with uh, maybe a little bit more information on the pieces we talked about as far as uh, the team's revenues and players. So, yeah, if you could share that later, uh, check him out again at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. Then also, folks, you can find us on several podcast directories, including iHeartRadio, Podca- was it Podbean, uh, Apple, iTunes. What else, Brandon? Where are we else? Are we? We're on uh, a Buzzsprout or iHeart, of course, Apple. Pretty much everywhere you find your podcasts, we're, we're there. Well, there you go. Everywhere you can find a podcast. So, again, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple. I also want to give thanks again to, let's see, who was it? Cheryl Ring, who provided some of the information I know from a past article that you talked about. Mari Brown, uh, Statista.com, MLB Rumors. God knows. There's a lot of good information out there, so we want to thank those folks. Also, I want to thank X-Take-R-U-X for the music they provide. Rocking forward. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you all again real soon.